The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the views of WABC. Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Good morning, New York, or welcome, 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 as I always say. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, folks. And I'm Alex. Feels like three weeks have gone by since last week. No, it's not. It's one <laughs> week. And I'm Alex Alexanian, and we are back. It's Dogs in Danger Radio Hour where we discuss our furry friends, um, and we don't discuss them in a banal way. We don't discuss them in a sort of a boring manner or talking about who's a good pet and who's a bad pet. We discuss the interaction between us and the animals we love so much that live with us, breathe with us, eat with us, and sometimes, uh, sleep, enrich with our, us. sometimes sleep with us and enrich our lives. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And uh, Brenda, I got to tell you, last week was um, the redo of the Rained Out Walkathon. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it, but I am so happy it's over and done with. You and me both. My goodness. Talk about, um, you know, talk about getting all all this work, all this effort going into it, then going into this, this burst of your bubble with the rain and the cancellation of it. And, and then, trying to reschedule it all in one week. Which was impossible, yeah. by the way. We could not get it We all. did a good job, though. We pulled We it did off. a good job. Yeah. And by the way, Thanks we did not get good weather last week either. No. It was still crap weather. We still didn't get a good day. Right. So, but it didn't rain on us. It didn't, yeah. It didn't pour on us. But, you know, uh, it's still, it was all gray. There was a little bit of sprinkling. And I got to tell you, I love the Northeast weather. I love it. You can count on it to screw you. That's two years in a row that it screwed us nicely. Okay. Yeah. So thank you, Northeast. We'll look forward to next year when we are hoping not to do a walkathon. We'll have more to say about that. Um, in our today's subject, and I can't believe I'm uh, amiss, we have not even discussed today's subject, which is the logic of sanctuaries. Sanctuaries yeah. are are a concept in the animal movement that you may not know much about. We're going to tell you a lot about it today. Yeah. Sanctuaries where animals supposedly go there to live out their lives. And we're going to talk to two phenomenal experts, one of them, one of the founders of Best Friends Society. Yeah, we'll talk about the philosophy and whether or not they're sustainable. And Exactly. Um, you know what? A in really interesting piece of news came by. And I know you have a piece of news and I have a, a small piece of news that came by in the Yahoo this, uh, this week. And I, I was just fascinated by this. Um, Hitler, not one of my favorite people, um, set up in uh, during World War II or, or before even World War II, um, came up with this concept. And the German uh, German Reich came up with this concept that animals were much more, especially dogs, dogs specifically, were much more intelligent than we gave them credit for. So Hitler went up and the uh, the, the, the Third Reich set up um, schools called Tiersbrücken schools, which basically translated sees, says animal talking schools near Hanover. And they recruited educated dogs from, from throughout the country of Germany to learn how to speak, to learn how to read, and in some cases to learn how to write. And their scientists document some amazing forward movement in that effort. They actually have dogs that could read, that could write, and they could speak with their paws. Um, they even had a dog that they taught how to how to say a word, in, you know, in in barkathon. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or in dog language. <laughs> in dog language. I know a Siberian husky that says "I love you." I I mean, so I'm it's not sure. A, it's I don't know what that was. I, I didn't read that whole story, but uh, but I, that's I fascinating. I mean, the goals. I mean, you know, the, the goals were evil, uh, surely, but um, in terms of what they were ultimately intending to do with the dogs. Um, but fascinating, nonetheless, the research. And, you know, and what's interesting is that some of the smartest dogs today are still coming out of Germany. I wonder if there's any connection. Uh, I don't know, but the story is real. It was on Yahoo just this last week. If you do a search, you'll find out. And I had no idea. I mean, this was a real project. It had real business. So what they're saying is that they scientists have. And right. Buildings. No, it was very scientific how they did it. Yeah, and yeah. And what they're saying is that the dogs actually have the ability to communicate on a level that we just they just can't speak. Right. 
And that so means, they had to teach them other ways to be able to communicate. Right. To do so that. how come the Germans, you know, the Third Reich of all people, uh, come up with this concept and make a movement on it? And us, the great nation of the United States, hasn't made much of a forward progress in this well, same still area. Some of the, big, the greatest research is going on in Europe, yeah. not here for dogs. What is that all about? Meaning no disrespect to the, the scientists who are doing it here in the U.S., but there's much more of it, I think, going on in Europe than there is here. Yeah. yeah great, great disappointment to me. Yeah. Anytime this country is not, you know, on important issues uh, is behind Europe, I am not a happy man. That's just the way it goes. And you have a news issue, and we don't have much time, so why don't you cover it quickly? Uh, yeah, as it turns out, Michael Vick's former uh, property in Surrey County, Pennsylvania, is, uh, it seems, being purchased by a Pennsylvania rescue group. Dogs deserve better. They're going to turn the 15-acre property into an animal rehab and sanctuary. Called huh. the Good News Rehab Center. Now, is that divine justice or is that just, uh, you know, human justice being done? Uh, yeah, in this case, I think it's human justice. But uh, I think that'd be great if they turned the property into a sanctuary. I think that'd be great. I guess so. I Symbolically. Of course, they have to buy great. it. No yeah. one's donating it to them, right? They have to buy it. They have to come up with the money well, to buy clearly, the property. Clearly, but still, I mean, it's I think it's valued it's at about $500,000, I think is what I read. I don't have the exact number here. Well, the number, I think, says $176,000. Well, that's the, that's the down payment for the Oh, for the I mortgage. see. That's down. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a nice little property. So anyway, I hope they pull it off. Um, I personally thought my animal talking dogs of the Third Reich was way more important than your news story. Mm-hmm. But having said that, and Mike is cracking up, which means I win that vote as well. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I will pay you again this week. Uh, having said that, let's cut the commercial and we'll be back with the Logic of Sanctuaries and two terrific guests. Hi. This is Alex and Brenda from the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love wildlife, so do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Wildlife Week, June 6th through the 12th, to explore the wondrous world of wildlife rehabilitation. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org. And please be sure to join us for Wildlife Week. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back on topic again. It's the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on WABC 77 in New York City. And today we're talking about the logic of sanctuaries, animal sanctuaries, uh, dog sanctuaries um, in general. And we want to cut right to the chase and bring in one of our two great experts, uh, he is Jay Hellerick, Executive Director, Smiling Dog Farm Sanctuary in Texas. Jay, are you with us this morning? I'm here. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. It's only 5.15 in Texas. <laughs> and you went <laughs> Good to morning, s- Jay. And good you morning. woke up at what time, Jay? Uh, about 5.05. <laughs> oh, you were, I thought you were going to say I woke up 5.14. Ready to go. <laughs> and, and are the dogs up yet, Jay? Uh, actually, no, you can hear it's very silent in the right. background. At any moment, if you hear them start to bark, you'll know they're up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jay, let me ask you a question. Um, let, well, obviously, that's my job, right, to ask you a question, so here I go. Uh, when and why did you start your sanctuary? Uh, we've been doing this for approximately 15 years, and I don't think it was something that we set out to do necessarily. It just sort of, like so much in life, evolved. It happened. Well... Uh, can you be a little bit clearer? I mean, how does it happen that you end up with a sanctuary? I mean, you could have ended up with anything, right? Well, you know, we started saving a dog here and a dog there, and uh, what happened over time is that we discovered that there were a lot of dogs who were not 
adoptable, uh, you know, that couldn't be moved on to other families for one reason or another. Sometimes it's behavioral issues, sometimes it's medical issues. And those are the dogs that needed some place to go <clears throat> where they would be safe and could comfortably live out their lives, and I guess that's the nucleus of a sanctuary. But not all dogs are there for life, right? Some of them get adopted. Yes. We have two programs going simultaneously, um, but our primary and core mission is and always will be the sanctuary side, which is the dogs who don't have any other place to go, and uh, they're pretty much going to be here for their lives. How many um, How many dogs? Is it only dogs, by the way? Yes. Well, we have uh, the assorted donkeys and sheep and uh, pigs and ducks and so forth, but uh, wow. primarily we are dogs. Wow. So it's a whole plethora of animals. Yeah. Okay. But primarily they're dogs, primarily dogs. right, so, compared dogs. to some of the farm sanctuaries that yeah. are out there. Yeah. Right. So how many animals are we talking about altogether that you have currently? We, we, we pretty much always had between 250 and 300 dogs. You know, you send three out the door for adoption and four more seem to come in the back door, so you never quite get ahead. Uh, we do adoptions differently than the traditional rescues, uh, which is we partner with traditional rescues, and we call them our adoption partners. And uh, they're the ones who actually do the placements of the dogs who are adoptable. We currently have one in Houston, one in Dallas-Fort Worth, and one in Austin. Uh, wow, well, that's a great concept because really the, the, the adoption piece of it is very labor-intensive, right? Well, it is, and, you know, Ricky and I are already donating 12 to 16-hour days, seven days a week, 365 days a year, so we don't have any extra room to go sit in front of uh, PetSmart with, uh, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. dogs in crates. Well, and to take applications and review the applications and talk to people and yes. all that goes into So we leave that to the adoption partners, and we focus on what we do best, which is caring for the dogs who are living here. So, so over, time, over time, though, the number of unadoptable dogs that are there for the duration of their lives at your sanctuary is going to increase, you would yes. think. You would, one would think. Yes, and, and that's absolutely correct. You know, slowly, little by little, the percentage... Uh, will change. Right now, of the 300 dogs who are living here, approximately 100 are unadoptable dogs who are here for life, and the other 200 are, are very adoptable. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, Jay, uh, what do you do for a living? I mean, is this what you do? You said 12 to 14 hours. I think this is it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you'd think you'd have to either be independently wealthy or uh, something. Fortunately, Ricky and I Uh, have rental properties, which is what makes it possible for us to do this. We don't go into an office up in Houston like most people would have to do. Uh, we work from the farm, um, and when it comes to renting them, that's my job. Ricky is the maintenance guy who takes care of them. But fortunately, that's what allows us all the extra time to donate to the uh, to the dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's fascinating. So you spend you can spend those kind of hours on this, and you have the income that you, you're able to do this. Yes, but on yeah. its own, on its own, is the is the sanctuary itself sustainable? Would you be able to do this without income from another source? No, uh, Ricky and I support ourselves exclusively, and the uh, sanctuary, Smiling Dog Farms, uh, manages because Ricky and I are able to donate so much time. That's That's going to be the uh, the key piece for us is when we reach the point that we have adequate income that we can hire a director to do for a paycheck what Ricky and I do for free, that's when we'll be guaranteed that uh, Smiling Dog Farms will outlive us. So let me get this straight, Jay. You and Ricky, uh, you have no staff, or oh, you, do you oh, have no, some no. staff? Oh, au contraire. No, it wouldn't be possible to do this without the staff. We have five full-time guys who work 40-hour week schedules servicing the dogs every day. Okay, and they get paid from income of the sanctuary? Yes. They, they're they paid by the sanctuary, and then okay. we buy the the dog food and the treats and the uh, medicines and the heartworm and right. flea preventatives and Dr. Stern's uh, fees. All of that has to come out of that as well. Right. So uh, in the last 15 years, if you had to take a really wild shot, how many animals do you think you've saved? Um, boy, it, it we're, we're probably, uh, I'm going to say a, uh, I've never been asked this question before, probably somewhere between, uh, five and six thousand dogs. Five and six thousand dogs. Okay. I would, so I let's, would say let's that's say. probably a fair. Okay. That's a fair question. And, and then 
let's stay with the same train of thought. Um, in the same period, which is you know the whole 15 years that we're talking about, uh, how much money do you think in total costs have you had to spend? I'm not talking about your time or Ricky's time. Sure. Um, we, uh, w- you know, we've only been a 501c3 since 2008. Prior to that, Ricky and I did really well in real estate. <laughs> yeah, so did the whole country, right? You so did the whole country until 2008. That was when everything came to a screeching halt. So uh, we donated our own money. I can tell you that it's uh, what we've donated to the dogs is in the high six figures. <laughs> high six figures. Yeah. Uh, so it's in are, the hundreds of thousands in the like 700,000 range. That's, yes, that's what Ricky and I had donated to it to, uh, over time and to create what we have today. You know, our uh, last year our income was $153,000. The year before that it was $156,000. Uh, we were slightly off, but that's what it takes roughly in a year for us to squeeze by. So, that I mean, just even you said that in 2008, prior to 2008, up to 2008, you guys had plunked in somewhere in the league of, let's say, three-quarters of a million dollars, and then it's another 150000 a year since then, right. roughly. Okay, right. so you're looking at clearly over uh, $1.2 million or something in, in, being put into the sanctuary, Lifetime. Correct? Oh, sure. Yeah. Life to and, date. And we're on an upward growth spurt. I mean, even though we're $3,000 off this year from last, definitely we're in a different place today than we were, say, three years ago. Wow. Um, and It is getting better, and we do have an awareness. We're, we are not local, and that's an important piece for folks to understand is that we have a very unique and specific niche in the world of rescue. Uh, we take the dogs that the local rescues can't. We often refer to ourselves as the rescue to the rescues. When a traditional rescue has a dog that for one reason or another can't be placed for adoption, they just sort of gum up the works and prevent them from moving forward because uh, their concept is dogs come in, dogs go out, dogs come in, dogs go out. And when you stop that from happening because you've got a dog who's just sort of stuck in foster care, it reduces their ability to save dogs. So that's where we enter the picture. That dog comes here. We can provide them a place to live and stay, and they can continue moving ahead placing dogs. Well, I think it's a great idea, but um, I have some real uh, theoretical questions, I guess, you know, sure. Jay. So if, if you spent $1.2 million and, and you save 5,000 dogs, that comes out to be roughly 250 bucks a dog. Um, how does that make any kind of sense? I mean, wouldn't the money have been better spent, um, for example, $1.2 million if spent on, uh, on legislation, let's say, if it was focused on trying to get some sort of a national database for all dogs before they were killed or some, some, some kind of legislation, it would have probably saved hundreds of thousands of dogs over a span of 15 years, if not millions of dogs. Um, well, so they say if you believe in that legislation has all that big an impact, you know, we're not, we're not out there on the theoretical cutting edge. Uh, we don't rub shoulders with uh, uh, Bob Barker or Oprah or the people who are really high profile. We're just down in the trenches saving the dogs one dog at a time. Um, to all these dogs, you know, I can, I'm in the, uh, my office has been moved to an upstairs uh, uh, used to be a bedroom in the house so that I could get away from the bark, bark, barking dogs down on the main level and and uh, have telephone conversations during the day. And I can look out from my window over the uh, one of the subdivisions we have here of the dogs, and you can watch them in the course of their day as they're uh, doing different things. You know, one dog will be sleeping, uh, napping in the sunshine. Another one will be barking at the squirrels. Two other dogs will be playing in their yard with their toys and whatever. And as I look out over the sea of dogs, the one thing that they all have in common is that if they weren't here, they'd all be dead. No, this this I totally agree with you. And, the, the, you know, the, the thing that I'm trying to sort of get to is that people such as yourself, intelligent people who have um, the ability to have income because they are, they are intelligent, they're, they're, um, be, they have uh, – time on their hands because they're able to have this kind of um, the, the ability to produce income. Um, 
are rare in the animal community. I mean, most of the people with great hearts, with amazing uh, emotional uh, connection to the dogs, are actually dead broke, is the best way to put it. Right. Um, so people such as yourself, you know the kind of people I'm talking about. People such as yourself, it's, it's a rarity. And uh, other people as well, I think we're going to be talking with Faith Maloney, who is a co-founder of Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, which is uh, probably one of the largest sanctuaries in the U.S., um, are are very rare and people that we we don't meet very often in our in our day to day in Brenda's and I day to day lives in the animal world, and for your energy to be put towards saving five thousand dogs when four million will be killed this year and the make me feel good side of that thing, which is I saved that dog, I saved this dog. Um, seems kind of like, you know, everybody's doing their own thing and animal sanctuaries becomes more of a problem, even though it's a really good thing. Overall, isn't it, doesn't it become more of a problem in solving the larger issue that's facing the country and, and our pets? Well, you're making the assumption that the, the issues will be solved. Uh, you know, I've lived on this earth for 60 years. Uh, I've seen it all come and go. I mean, I was around back in the 60s when Lyndon Johnson had a war on poverty, and guess what? We've still got poverty. Uh, you know, we're not focused on the great issues in Washington or even in Austin. Um, I don't much believe in what comes out of there in, in terms of legislation, and it, it has very little real impact on the dogs who are actually wandering the streets today. Um, you know, in the end, the dogs that we've helped are the dogs who needed us, and we were here for them. And if you go ask them, I think they'd be pretty glad that we were here for them. Right. And oh. that's a discussion we have all the time uh, at, at home between the two of us, because he says, you know, Alex says, what difference is this making in the overall problem? And I don't think anyone that's running a sanctuary out there is thinking that it's a solution to the problem. But Boy, it sure is a sure solution for good. those. It will solution for those dogs who survive. Well, clearly, but it's not. It's not a solution for the overall problem. And a lot of people are not involved on that level. There, well, people do what they like, can do. It, it, it's kind of like this. Okay, it's kind of like to me anyway. So there's um, half a million people that will die from cancer this year. Okay, so and we're going to spend I don't know, you know, hundred billion dollars trying to cure them, and and they will not make it. Okay, so. Uh, we take the hundred billion dollars and we do we give it to one one person and we spend this inordinate amount of money trying to save this one person and we actually do save this one person from this terrible cancer but the other you know four hundred ninety nine thousand nine ninety nine die and we say hey I saved that one person you know I mean I'm a you know look what I did yeah but but from a philosophical perspective a moral compassionate perspective. You have to do it. A lot of people just can't not do it. See, Alex thinks that if all those great people like you, Jay, out there who have the money, who have the intelligence, who have the will to do it, would just unite in force. But of course, we'd solve the problem. we would solve the problem. Let me, let me first tell you that we wouldn't have the money if, if we were doing what Alex would have us do. The money comes from donations that is very much driven by specific animals. Right. Uh, they're on our website. People see them say, oh, I would like to help this dog. And they'll sign up as a smiling dog partner where they'll send us $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever they can afford. Those are our smiling dog partners who are the backbone. That's where $150,000 came from. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come from grants. It doesn't come from big organizations or groups. It comes from individuals who want to help specific dogs. Mm -hmm. The day that we stop helping specific dogs, people are going to sort of lose interest in us in a hurry because people don't. People are not focused on the great uh, philosophic issues of the day. They're trying to help these individual dogs. And if you solve everything tomorrow and, and, and you get the kind of uh, laws that require dogs be spayed and neutered so we don't have the population of unwanted uh, dogs roaming the streets, it still doesn't change anything for the dogs who are already out there. And if we spend our money and our focus and our time on some kind of esoteric future, uh, what we're basically doing is giving the finger to the dogs who are already wandering the streets, and I don't think that's where we want to yeah. be. I mean, I think as a compassionate moral society, we have to do both. Well, we I, have to the, we have to have the sanctuaries. I get listening to Jay is that he really doesn't believe that society can solve the problems, so he's going to do his little bit, um, and then and then let society worry about their pro- bigger problems because he doesn't really fundamentally believe that they can solve it. Am I correct? Yes. I believe that society is going to solve the problem of dogs when they solve the problems of poverty, when they solve the problems 
of uh, financing all of the pro- I mean, we can talk politics and uh, uh, <laughs> go down that road. But, but the fact of the matter is we have a great government in Washington, and the individual states have governments. you got a heck of one there in New York that is long on words and promises no and kidding. short on delivery. So That's the understatement of the you year. Know, Jay's the kind of guy that I love talking to because he's intelligent, eloquent, has made some money in his life, obviously a successful man, and I'd love to talk to someone like that who's, who's passionate about animals because they're a rarity. I mean, what I would not give to have Jay, for example, uh, involved in taking down that governor in Missouri who signed that, 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 legis- that piece of legislation that overturned the will of the people. And you know what I'm talking about, Jay, I'm sure. sure. Okay, now what I wouldn't give to have... Jay handling that thing over there in Missouri and bringing that governor down next Alex time. Alex is going to make it a personal personal mission to take down the governor of Missouri for what they did on Proposition B. I, I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. I'm not even in Missouri. Yeah. You know, I really yeah. don't care that much about Missouri. But I got to tell you, I think it's a shame. If for I the did people. live there, I would and, move. And 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 it's a shame for the country to have. Of course, there. New York's not looking much better sure. at the and moment. Th- but. There's no question. And you know, we support the issues that everybody else supports in uh, uh, the rescue world, but. You know, we support them the way most people do, from a distance. Um, maybe someday it'll have an effect or an impact on us. But, you know, if, if, it was, if all the legislation that we had on our wish list was passed tomorrow, it wouldn't change the actual outcome for many years to come. You know, it's going to take a while. And if we put all of our emphasis on legislation and not on taking care of the individual dogs, uh, then what was the point of the legislation? Uh, you're right, my friend. You're absolutely right. Your heart's in the right place. Jay, we have to run. Thank you getting, for getting up so you're early You're doing in the great morning. work out there, Jay, and Thank Ricky, you. too. Thank you so much. We're we, going to stay with you. We'll I'm going to try to corral you into one of my crazy projects, Jay. So <laughs> don't think this will be the last you'll hear from me. <laughs> Excellent. I appreciate that. Thanks Thank you, again. Jay. Thank you. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Pets bring unconditional love into our lives every day. That's just one reason Best Friends Animal Society believes that every pet deserves a loving home. Best Friends runs the nation's largest sanctuary for homeless animals, but they do so much more. From helping community cats and delivering animals from overcrowded shelters and puppy mills to brand new lives, Best Friends and their members are saving animals from coast to coast every day. They're working with you and with humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Join them. Becoming a Best Friends member is easy. Just visit them online at bestfriends.org and make a donation of any amount. With a gift of $25 or more, you'll receive a subscription to Best Friends Magazine. Your contribution to Best Friends Animal Society will support their life-saving work and help animals both at the sanctuary and around the country. Together, we can bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. To learn more and become a member today, visit bestfriends.org. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Welcome back to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. And next up, we have one of our favorite British-speaking friends, Faith Maloney, who's animal care consultant and one of the founders of Best Friends Animal Society. Good morning, Faith. Good morning. I like that British (laughs) reference there. Oh, Faith, you're doing me in this early in the morning. (laughs) He loves the British accent. (laughs) I've been here for 40 years, but you don't lose the accent. Wow. That's because you're working so hard at not losing it, Faith. Admit it. But you haven't been in (laughs) Kanab, Utah for 40 years, right? No, not there. 27. 27 years here. Wow. 27 years in Kanab, Utah, where... Uh, we have to tell our listeners we're Kanab, Utah, which is the central headquarters of Best Friends Animal Society. And the location of their sanctuary. Their physical yes. location, correct? It's Sorry, I, I missed that. I said the physical location of the animal it's sanctuary. The physical location, yes. 
And we're way down south. If you're looking at a map of Utah, we're closer to the Arizona border than up near Salt Lake. So, so. remote that the phone service I hear is not all that reliable out it's there. It's a little iffy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we have someone from the Best Friends Sanctuary on the phone with us, they say, well, you know, it's a crapshoot with the phones. You can give it a try. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Faith- I think we're okay with this line, though. <laughs> yeah. Faith, let me start into the questions here. Uh, which is what I do. Uh, 25 years ago, you started Best Friend Sanctuary. Why a sanctuary? Well, uh, because there was a need. I mean, straight and simple. Uh, Particularly back when we first got the idea, which was actually longer than that, it was about 30 years ago, uh, because we were looking at the numbers being killed, and that was in Arizona where we, a bunch of us were living at that time, and uh, seeing that there weren't many programs around, there weren't many adoptions, no spay-neuter programs to speak of, and so the vast number of animals entering the system, the shelter system, were being killed. And uh, we kind of got together and said there has to be a better way, there has to be another way. And out of that came the whole concept of sanctuary, and sanctuary meaning a safe place. Um, and so we, re- and, and of course we, we chose a, a remote location, not deliberately, but that's where the property was. If you're going to get large bits of, of land, you're usually not going to be close to a big city. And so we looked at the concept of maybe even having animals live out the rest of their lives at the sanctuary um, in, in a safe place. But obviously, if people came along and wanted to uh, adopt, rehome these animals, that would be wonderful too. So we kind of entered that whole relationship with those two things in mind, that we could be taking care of animals for the rest of their lives. Therefore, we have to look at quality of life and, um, and then a, a quicker turnover of rehoming. Okay. So... So Sanctuary started over 30 years ago, and it sort of came out of the, the natural concept that all these animals are being killed. There's got to be a better way. Let's yeah. just protect them from the raise, the death rays of the shelters. That's um, right. Let me ask you this question then, Faith. If I, if I just today magically was able to give you a million dollars, okay? Just today I could wire you the million dollars. Even though the banks are closed, I have that ability. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I wired you a million dollars... What percentage of that would, or any percentage of that, would you spend um, on building a new sanctuary? I think at this point in time, um, not a lot. Um, when you say building a new sanctuary, you mean another sanctuary? Right. Yes, yes, right. yes. Um, no, um, I think one of the things that evolved as we started, because we get. We get this question all the time. People come to us and they say... They all have a million dollars to give you? Well, not the million, but they say, have you ever thought of opening up Best Friends in Texas, you know, uh, Massachusetts? I mean, you, you anywhere. Name it. You yeah. name anywhere, it. Right. Absolutely. And someone will say that. And our answer has always been no. Um, we are very happy with the one we have, and it's tough enough running one, let alone several of them, but we see that the problem really lies in the community. And so uh, for the last several years now with our outreach program, we've been putting a lot of resources. I want that million, by the way, but I would put that million into helping people in the communities where the problems are. In what sort of ways, Faith? Because... um, that's where the animals are dying. Right, but in what sort of ways? Uh, To develop uh, adoption programs, um, education programs. We've been doing a lot with our Pitbull Terrier uh, initiative of helping people um, get a different perspective on this particular kind of dog, you know, Pitbull breed. Mixes. Right. But after because after all these decades of running the sanctuary uh, and the experience that you have in doing that, uh, it's no longer you no longer see it as a solution to the problem. I think it's one solution. 
you were asking about um, if I would use that million to build another one. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, um, I wouldn't. You're asking me personally. Yes, yes, right. I mean, personally. I, yeah. I, love, I love that there are other people with their millions who are maybe looking at it. And I'm, I should... I'm involved in that because I teach a workshop here called How to Start an Animal Sanctuary. Oh. So I'm always interested if people want to do something um, in their own communities. But as, as far as best friends, opening up a lot of sanctuaries around the country, I don't think that's our goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to assist other people who are working in their individual communities to... Um, to really stop the killing. Again, I, it's the I, no more homeless right. pets. So, right. <clears throat> I mean, we have adoption. an obligation, right? We have an obligation to take care of the animals that are here. But Absolutely. each community each community sort of needs to take its own responsibility for its sanctuary. So, Absolutely. And and also because what we what what has evolved over the last 30, 25, you know, all the different years that we've been uh, doing this kind of work is more and more people stepping up to the plate in the various different communities and and helping with um, adoptions, you know, changing, uh, not buying puppies, but adopting. You know, all these are all the programs that we want people to buy into. And if that million it could be used for that, then I think that would, at this point in time, for best friends, be a good use for that million. Right. But if the president came to you today, Faith Maloney, expert in animal affairs, and the president sat down with you and said, Faith, uh, I'm going to propose some legislation, money in the legislation, whatever we need. Um, what do you think I should be? What, what, what should we do to fix the animal problem? You would not recommend, Mr. President, let's build sanctuaries in every major state. No. No. Hmm. Um, You've come a long way in the 30 years, huh? I love that people still want to... A sanctuary, I think, again, getting defining that word as a safe place, I really do think there is a place for sanctuary for that bit of time for an animal that falls through the cracks. You know, the not very easy one, the mm-hmm. one that, that comes into the system that needs some behavior, mm-hmm. time, maybe a medical issue. And I think that's where sanctuary has a, a tremendous role mm-hmm. of giving that animal some time. In, in the fast-paced um, city systems, it's very hard to keep an animal um, healthy mentally, physically in, in, a, in a longer term. You know, the, the facilities generally aren't designed for long-term quality of life. Well, a lot of them can't even do it in the short term, so exactly. long, long-term is a whole other scenario. Yeah, yeah, long-term it, is, uh, you know, we, we for example, uh, where we can, we can't do it all the time, but we group house our dogs because dogs are pack animals. And so putting an animal in a single run for months and months, maybe even years on end, we do not consider that to be a quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, that dog needs the companionship of other dogs, the companionship of people. Um, and so we, we address quality of life here in our sanctuary. Um, we have dog parks here. Even though we have acres and acres, we have specified areas where dogs can go play. We have hydrotherapy. We have um, walking trails. We have, you know, we have a lot of things which in that meantime, while that dog, so I'm just taking a dog example here, while the dog is with us, that dog will have a quality of life for however long. And in some cases, that might be all of their lives. Right, but the the economics of sanctuaries don't really make sense. Am I correct in that? I would agree with that. Uh, that <clears throat> I mean, we love that people are considering uh, taking on maybe an aspect. I, I know a lot of people now who say decide they want to work exclusively with senior dogs mm-hmm. um, because that's an, uh, that's another area that may not get a quick home, um, a rehome. So someone will say, okay, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to provide some place, some time, uh, and and a a home for senior dogs that fall through the cracks. So that, that is great. And I think a lot of those, everyone doing their individual thing 
of interest and for some it'll be cats and for some it'll be other creatures horses or whatever they are then offering a nice stopgap for those animals that would have in tradition would have been just being killed I, for being I think, too old i think you're so on you're absolutely laser target on faith i think that you're at the right place from my philosophy anyway on a personal note you're absolutely absolutely right yesterday uh, a family came to visit us um, in our home and um, uh, their story was just amazing to me they had uh, they said they have gone through 10 dogs in their um, in their life uh, as a family they've gone through 10 dogs and every single one of them was um, a senior dog um, or an unadoptable dog that they... Some kind of special need. Some sort of a special need, either medical yeah. issue Behavior, or whatever. Behavior, medical, whatever the issue was. And, and they went through the, the, the 10 dogs, one dog at a time. So they're not crazy dog ladies. They're mm-hmm. one dog at a time. However, they save these 10 dogs. And these are people that don't have a lot of income. They don't have, uh, you know, trust funds. They're not trust fund babies. Um, and those are the kind of people I think that is the solution to that interim period that you're talking about, where the animal absolutely needs... Uh, a little bit of room between the day he's uh, homeless and the day that uh, the injection is going to be going into it. Well, if everyone in the country would become a foster home, we would solve a lot of uh, issues too. But the reality is that uh, it's a rare individual who's willing to make the personal sacrifice I know, and but you're, again, you're absolutely right with the foster programs. I mean, we we utilize foster programs a lot, and we know lots of them around the country that are uh, really using that. Uh, interesting, um, Brenda Barnett, who took over the as head of LA Animal Services, another huge, huge mm-hmm. institution down there in Los Angeles. She comes out of a big foster background uh, in her other work in animal welfare. And she's bringing that to the the Los Angeles situation, which is really starting to make a difference to the numbers of animals being killed. So, I mean, that is just opening that up. And I know that's hard. I always say to people, when you're going to start a foster program, this is very challenging Mm -hmm. because people, um, it's hard for people. They they often fall in love with their their first foster, and then that's it. Right. (laughs) And then you no longer have a foster home. That's right. Absolutely. But yeah. but also there's the economics involved. I mean, you know, when you're taking on the dog, you're taking on a financial responsibility too. It's a lot personal, of people don't have the it's money. It's not just financial. It's physical. It's emotional. It's, and financial. It's, and financial. Yeah. I mean, a you may of, have all of it, but if you don't have the money, you still can't take the dog because you need to no, feed the a, dog. And you know, a lot of a lot of the larger organizations now uh, don't don't ask the foster family to take on the whole responsibility. Right. Financially, I think they some support of the smaller them. groups have to because they just don't have the resources. But some of the other groups have a fund which can help with the medical or they have a medical facility. Um, people that do foster for us at Best Friends, for example, have access to our, our in-house clinic. So they're not bearing the burden of the medical. Mm-hmm. And which if they can need be. assistance with food mm-hmm. because they're doing, um, they're doing you such an enormous favor by saving that dog's life. Absolutely. Um, so uh, many, many groups will have ways in which they can support a foster family. So the financial burden is not there. I'm not saying that's the case in all situations, but in a lot of them, it isn't going to be a financial burden. It's just the time, the space. And, of course, the wonderful thing about a foster home is you get the animal back into a home, a home setting. So rehoming, mm-hmm. finding that next home is a lot easier. Oh, you're, you're missing out that middle stressful right. bit. Right, yeah. where, because where the, foster, up, the foster homes do an important piece, right, of socializing them and getting absolutely. working on housebreaking and basic obedience and training and that sort absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic transition, and we love foster families and foster homes, and we really do encourage people to look at that as an option to fill that gap because animals get very, very distressed if they're in mm-hmm. any kind of institution, even good ones. You know, it's, 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 it's a, a stress. You've lost your home, you've lost your family, and here you are. You're, you've landed in some weird place with different rules and regulations. I mean, most dogs adapt. Cats take it very hard. We're very, very aware of that in, in our cat admission program. Wow. Is cats are very place-attached. You know, they're pe- people and place, so they lose both. 
dogs tend to be more people attached, so they go, oh, a new place, that's okay, right. and they, they orient very quickly. But cats always go, unless they're very young, seem to go through some kind of depression. Faith, how many, how, many, um, how many animals do you currently have at, uh, at any we time have, at the sanctuary? We have around 1,700, um, you know, 1,700 spread across several, um, several species, you know, dogs, cats, mm-hmm. bunnies, birds, horses. The, does that make they, you guys the, the largest sanctuary in the U.S.? I believe so. I believe so you know, too. I'm, I, I'm, th- that's what they tell me. <laughs> okay. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's right, but I wanted. To. And and can you give us an idea uh, on an annual basis now? How much does it co- cost to run the sanctuary? I know Best Friends does amazing stuff outside of the sanctuary, but what yes, what does it take it, to run the sanctuary? Uh, the actual sanctuary, you know, I'm I'm don't know if I'm even the best person to answer that. I'm not. I'm not part of the financial team. I know our annual budget for the whole operation runs around $40 million, which is a lot of money. Um, but what piece we, of that do you think is the sanctuary piece? Um, oh, it's several million. I, I, I honestly don't know. The, the diff- I'm sorry. I, no, I'm no, no problem. Best. I'll have to get that answer for you, but uh, no problem. So I don't know. But it's, it's a chunk, uh, and especially dogs. Uh, we have a staff... Of 72, for example, that's staff, that's not volunteers, um, who work Dogtown alone. Wow. Now, so let me ask you this, Faith. Um, just hy- you know, hypothetically, if would you then, since you've, we've both sort of come to the same place on this discussion, that throwing more sanctuaries at the problem is definitely not the solution. The economics don't really make sense, and it doesn't solve the problem. Right. Um, I, wh- whatever the problem is, and there's many, many ways of twisting that issue, um, it's not sanctuaries. We both agree on that, on yeah. that perspective. Would you be, as a founder of Best Friends, would you be in favor of then shutting down the Best Friends sanctuary slowly? I'm not talking about throwing any animals out, and I'm not being practical here. It's hypothetical, but, you know, we don't even want to throw the scepter of, uh, you know, animals being thrown out of a sanctuary. Let's yeah. just say, you know, you, would you vote if there was a motion in front of your board to slowly shut it down and take that money and put it into other stuff, the several million, the chunk that you spoke about? Well, you know, um, we used to say right in the beginning when we first started this that maybe our goal should be to, to take ourselves out of business. You know, that, that we would, the situation would, that, that's, a, that's a little bit nirvana, mm-hmm. you know, that, that our, the situation in society would be so wonderful there would be no need for a sanctuary. Um, however, I think at this point in time, I do feel that we do supply a need. And for those people that I mentioned earlier that step up, that want to um, provide that interim space for an animal that's um, displaced, uh, I still do feel there is a place for sanctuary, but it, it wouldn't be, it's not the answer. It's not, it's not where... Um, Going back to your million proposition, you know, it, it, that wouldn't, I don't think at this time, be the best use of money to create another one. Mm-hmm. However, every single day, we are hearing about animals that don't, um, they don't fit the categories for a, a quick adoption, for an easy assimilation. So what do we do? We only have two choices. In the past, it was to destroy those animals and just say, forget it. You know, you're three years old. You're too old to be adopted. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you will be killed. Unacceptable. And it's hard to believe that it used to be that, that yeah, three yeah. was considered old. Um, but we have, uh, we have here opportunities to provide some um, respite, some, some space and time. So I think even though, as I say, we used to say, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was no need for us? You know, we could run ourselves out of business through success, etc. Um, I don't see that happening. I still see best friends being able to provide that stopgap, that place for a sick animal, for an animal with a behavior issue that needs some help and time to get over. I think that's still going to be available and around. And I think that need is going to be there for a long time. Uh, well, my opinion, I think Best Friends does amazing stuff. Yeah. And I think they do far greater 
good outside of the sanctuary than they do within the sanctuary, which may have been the genesis of Best Friends. But what they've evolved to now is I think they've evolved to one of the great organizations that we count more than even we count on the ASPCA because the ASPCA, has, you know, has done all sorts of stuff that I don't even want to talk about. I think we have a show for that. But I think Best Friends, from my personal perspective, has become the organization with the funding that we look for leadership in. Uh, there's only four organizations that you can look to, and at the top of that or- that list is Best Friends, I think. And they've well, thank grown. You. I, I believe. I listen. I would not be saying it on the air or anywhere if I didn't truly believe it. Um, and and I'm proud to be associated with with Best Friends at this level. Thank with, you. With this program, um, I have to tell you, Faith, you're a great guest. Um, I, you know, I, I do have a, a belief that the foster programs have done some terrific work, um, per my example from the family that visited us uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. And if the money was available, if we could incentivize people or at least cover some of their costs for these good people um, mm-hmm. to, you know, let, let's use the word incentivize. Okay, let's not even say cover costs. I like costs. that. You know, I like I, that. Yes. You would and, get a lot and- of people coming out of the woodwork, you know. And, and I think, as I say, some of the larger groups who are able to bear that, those costs and help that cost, uh, do that already because they know that that's a huge limitation. It's You're huge. right. It's you huge. Know, regular folks don't have that extra. They're already taking care of one or two other pets. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to do uh, another show. We're going to do another show, uh, I think, dedicated to fostering, and we'd love to have you back for that one. Love to. Love to do it. Yeah. I mean, we have a very close friend that has seven dogs. She is a foster for a rescue organization, and she has a daily battle because the rescue organization will not even cover the food of the seven dogs, and she doesn't have the money. She's stuck in between giving up these dogs, which will basically kill the dog, or paying it out of her pocket, and she does not have the money, and the rescue organization will not give her any of the reimbursement. Now, something is a disconnect there. Well, that's a disconnect because that is that should be easy for the rescue group if it's a five hundred one c three to do a fundraiser for their foster family. Right, Absolutely. typically small you know, organizations I mean, that's, just that's haven't like, had it. That's like you know no brainer there that you could have um, you know have a dinner or an event or something where you could create a fund, right? Help create a that. fund like we we've done that for spay neuter. Faith, you know, I, we've, I hate we've to cut you. People. I hate to cut you off, but if we don't take yeah. off at this point. We're going to get cut off right in the middle of a okay. sentence. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Faith. you, Faith. Go back Thank to sleep you. out in the West Coast. Thanks. We'll I be will. right back. Lo- love talking Hi. to you. Hi. This is Alex. And Brenda. From the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love wildlife, so do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Wildlife Week, June 6th through the 12th, to explore the wondrous world of wildlife rehabilitation. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org. And please be sure to join us for Wildlife Week. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Thank you, Sandra Lewis, Dallas, Texas, for promoting Bonnie, a dog on the Dogs in Danger website, in Galveston County Animal Services, Texas City, Texas. Bonnie needs out of the shelter now or she will die. She's a female Rhodesian Ridgeback. Check our website, Galveston County, Texas, for Bonnie. Bonnie, right? That's Bonnie. That's our promote dog. Save the dog. She's Do very unhappy in the I'm shelter. Not. She's staring right into the camera. The eyes are going to just melt you. we got to oh save this Oh, my God. One. So, yeah. Texas, am I correct? you got to go to Texas? Texas City, Texas. On dogsindanger.com and, and save Bonnie. Do something good on Memorial Day. Remember.